To enter the course e-commerce masterclass, utilizing data to improve retailer relationships, press go. I guess I have to press that for you. But before we start this course, welcome back to Mastering Retail from Essential Digital Commerce, a masterclass covering how to succeed in the world of e-commerce. My name is Emma Irwin, and I'm a senior editor and specialist at Essential. This episode is a true masterclass on utilizing data to build stronger retailer relationships, but I needed to build an educational relationship of my own first. Let's meet our guest for today. My name is Carol Ann McKay, and I am the Vice President of Customer Experience at Micmac. And what does the Vice President of Customer Experience actually do? Yeah, so my team oversees everything after a sale. So after the sales team signs a new brand, we take over. So we do all of our onboarding. We do implementation. We oversee the strategy and success of the brand. So my team is comprised of account coordinators, sales engineers, customer success managers, and account managers. And together, we ensure that the customer's experience with Micmac is a positive one. What does Micmac do? What is Micmac? What is Micmac? So Micmac is an e-commerce acceleration platform. Our software enables the world's leading brands to really grow at the speed of commerce. We all know commerce changes and moves so quickly, and so do the consumers. So our platform really enables brands to keep up with that. There are really two parts of our platform. There's what I like to call the front end, which is what people like you and I can touch and feel in the world. And that can be from anywhere from a brand's website or a multi-retailer landing page from any type of media. So you and I and everyone out there can touch and feel that in the world. There's also a back-end component of the software, and that's really where the brands, they log in, they can analyze their data, make optimization decisions, and that's really what helps them grow their e-commerce business. So they can log into that at any given time, analyze their performance, and make really informed decisions. So those two components are really what enable these brands um, to to grow their e-commerce business. Does Micmac primarily work with CPG brands or is it kind of a little bit of everything? That's a great question. It's mostly CPG brands. So what I like to, how I describe it to most people is anything in your household that you can buy at multiple places is a prime candidate for being a Micmac customer. So household products like everything from toothpaste to paper towels to beer to beauty products, those types of products and those types of brands are, are really Micmac's bread and butter. All right. Let's go into what is the last thing you purchased online? Oh, my. Um, <laughs> the last thing I purchased online, um, my I have a three-year-old daughter and her school had Spirit Week last week during Valentine's Day. And I did not have all of the attire she needed. So I had to purchase a very quick delivery on Amazon for a tie-dye day on Friday. That was my last purchase. <laughs> That makes sense. I remember like when I was young and we'd have tie-dye day in like elementary school, except Amazon wasn't really a thing. So it was like, do we have a white t-shirt that I can soak <laughs> in some like markers and make it a tie-dye t-shirt? I wish school? I was that crafty. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure they never turned out correctly. Like it would just kind of be a brown at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. But it's so like crazy how the world has changed and you can just order one and it shows up the next day. So funny. And now it's very convenient. The next one I have for you, we ask this to everyone that we talk to, but I'm going to ask you it now and then we'll come back to it at the end. So just keep it on your brain or don't. It's really up to you for when <laughs> we come to back to it, but something on your digital wish list. So it just 
something you've wanted for a long time, it just sits in a basket online or on an app or somewhere and you just never actually purchase it. Mm. And we'll come back around to why at the end. Sound good? That sounds great. Okay, now we can press go and I'll continue to guide you through the course along the way. Welcome to Utilizing Data to Improve Retailer Relationships. Let me read this description for you. This course consists of two modules that will educate you on using data to improve retailer relationships. Module one will cover understanding what the consumer wants and where, and module two will focus on understanding how your shopper gets to the point of conversion. Before entering module one, we need to understand why building and strengthening retailer relationships is important. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting for us as consumers because we don't think about it this way that often. But the reality is the first customer of a brand is actually the retailer. The retailers are buying the product often and and then they're the ones that are ultimately interacting with that end consumer that the brand really does think about a lot. But they're the ones interacting on the daily basis. So that relationship is really powerful. Ultimately, both sides definitely need each other. The brands need the retailers for the, the connection to the consumers. The retailers need the brands to have items to sell. And so when you think about that relationship, it's just really important that both parties are are armed with the right data, the right insights so that they can all make better decisions so that you and I and consumers in the world can have that, that best experience for everyone involved. So definitely mutually beneficial, but that relationship is so critical to the consumer journey that it has to be maintained. The first customer of the brand is the retailer. My mind just like, <laughs> exploded a little bit there. We have some brands that we work with and they call their customers. Then when they say customer, they mean retailer. And that that was new for me too. I came from a background of direct to consumer. So I never thought of it that way. Click next to enter module one. Module one, understanding what a consumer wants and where. To begin this module, press play. I'd love to know how can Micmac help brands begin to understand the importance of what a consumer wants and where? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the first things about Micmac, even in our early days that we realized was that we really act as Switzerland. We kind of democratize the data. We're, we're safe space. You know, we're not playing sides, but really enabling brands to understand their data really helps them make better decisions with which, like I said before, it does ultimately benefit all parties, including the retailer. So with more data and insights, brands can, you know, make more informed decisions, which will ultimately help their business perform better. So for example, you know, before using Micmac, a leading toothpaste brand, let's use that as an example, may have had no idea where their consumers prefer to shop but they had to allocate their media spend based on, let's say, sales percentages by retailer. So let's pretend it was 30% Target, 10% Walmart, 10% Amazon, some combination to get you to 100%. They kind of had to do that blindly, right? They were doing it based on one metric, which was sales percentage or sales maybe projections. And so that could lead to lost dollars. You know, you're sending the consumers blindly to a retailer that they may not ultimately prefer. Let's take your tofu example before. Editing Emma here. You might notice that you haven't actually heard my tofu example yet because I cut that part out. I had mentioned that I would go out of my way to a Walmart to buy my favorite tofu, that extra crispy kind, versus my regular target for groceries out of loyalty to my favorite tofu brand. Resuming course. Let's say that tofu brand was paying for advertising towards Target 
but you always bought it at Walmart. Well, you click the ad because you love the brand or you're enticed by the ad, but you immediately bounce after landing on that retailer site because that's not your preferred retailer. So with Micmac, brands are able to generate those insights immediately. They can log in and act on them in real time and really ensure that there are no dead-end experiences like your tofu experience. They can optimize accordingly. They can save their media dollars to really make them go further and work harder for them. With brands like alcohol brands, it's even more prominent because they have to take into consideration different pain points, right? There's different laws. There's a lot of intricacies about distribution in alcohol. And so previously, their media teams would have to flight hundreds of different landing page and links to satisfy different markets, inventory, availability, legal restrictions. And we can solve all of that with one stop. And so you know, going back to improving that retailer partnership, this really streamlines things and enables the brands to work with multiple retailers, satisfy their requirements, and ultimately make better decisions. Without giving away any of the secret sauce of Micmac, how is this data, like I'm trying to wrap my head around, how is this data collected? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, when we go back to how I described it in the beginning, there's that front-end experience that you and I can touch and feel. That is a lit. Think of it like a landing page that the brands, they own. So rather than sending the traffic directly to the retailer, they can send them to this retailer agnostic landing page that they own. Their creative can live there. And all of the events that take place on that page, so when you think about any interaction you and I can do, clicking a retailer, changing our zip code, selecting you know nearby versus online scrolling scrolling through if there's multiple images, all of those actions can be triggering events. The brands can put their pixels onto the, the landing page with Micmac, and that's their pixels. They own that. That can be their meta pixels, their Pinterest pixel, TikTok, whatever, whatever pixels they're using. And that goes right into their platforms or to their data lakes. So that's one way. And that's, you know, all of that is also presented in the Micmac Insights dashboard. And so everything is tracked. They have different ways of tagging things and they can see those results in real time. So that's the general way that most of those insights are presented and collected. Um, We haven't talked about sales insights in depth yet. I know we'll we'll get there. There's some different methodologies available there depending on the retailer. I was looking, I spent a lot of time looking at Micmac's website to prepare this interview. (laughs) But I saw, I think it was like a screenshot of, I think, it was on like KitKat's website and then below a specific KitKat product, there were all the different kind of buttons to where you could purchase it. And it was like any major retailer you could think of. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what you were describing in terms of you can track from which retailers consumers prefer. You got it. And and in your experience, Emma, it might be different than mine because we're located in different places. We may have different inventory available to us. And so all of that is updated in real time based on the consumer's location. And so going back to what I said before about reducing dead-end experiences, all of those signals are triggers of data and points of data that you can you know, monitor and access in the Micmac dashboard. Makes sense. Can you tell me about, we hear a lot recently about this importance of like first-party data in e-com. Can you tell me about, explain to me why it is so important? Yeah, I mean, listen, data is one of the most valuable forms of currency right now for brands and for retailers and even for consumers. You know, we have the right to protect our data as well. And so those first-party signals are the closest source of truth that brands and retailers and consumers can have about actions and preferences. 
And so any way brands can get their hands on first-party data is really powerful because, again, they can make more informed decisions that will ultimately help their businesses grow. And so having that sophisticated way of tagging or utilizing pixels on a landing page that they own really helps empower that experience for them and and drive more first-party data collection. It's not scary. I don't want consumers to think, you know, Micmac is doing anything scary. Um, You know, there's no PII being passed. It's all through those actions that we talked about that we're taking. So that, again, you know, um, as as an audience, we can all understanding how those audiences behave. So I'll give you an example. Um, Let's say you're, you're a candy brand. Let's use your example before. You're a candy brand and you have a campaign for a new flavor. You might discover that through your media mix that your TikTok audience prefers Walmart while your Instagram audience prefers Target. That's a really powerful insight that you can leverage across your sales team, your marketing team, and really to optimize your media against. So that's an insight that you can get in real time through those those pixels that are firing and those events that that the brands can can see in their dashboard. And against what your goals are is what really matters. For example, you know, even in the Micmac Insights dashboard, we have we have tons and tons of signals. Not every brand uses every single signal every day, right? We have a benchmarks section of our insights platform that A lot of brands use that for planning purposes. So that might not be, for example, a thing you use every day or you're an agency and you use that while you're planning an upcoming campaign, for example. So, you know, again, going back to different times, different different days that that applies here from a data perspective as well. End of module one, understanding what your consumer wants and where. Please rate module one on a scale of one to five stars on the streaming platform of your choice. To enter module two, press next. Module two, understanding how your shopper gets to the point of conversion. To begin, press play. So we got through understanding what your consumer wants and where, but it's not like you just magically understand that and then the consumer goes straight to purchase and bada bing, bada boom. There's a whole lot of things that, or a whole lot of stuff that happens in between those points. So let's focus specifically on like, the marketing and media element here. But let's talk about how Micmac can help brands kind of understand that customer journey. Yeah, so I think it's a really powerful use case to understand what happens after the click. So again, you know, when we first started Micmac years ago, at that time, brands had literally had no idea what happened after the click. So they were sending their traffic straight to the retailers from places like Instagram, Snapchat, from influencer media, and they had literally no idea what was happening after the click. And so all they were measuring performance on was the upfront ad click. People click on my ads and how much did I spend on that, right? And so we, when we opened up that black, that first level of black box, it was all about, okay, what happens after the click? How long are they staying? Did they select a certain skew? Which retailer did they select? And so it got them a level deeper into that customer journey. So going back to my example earlier, you know, if you have a new flavor that you're launching and you learn that certain platforms have an affinity towards a certain retailer, that's one layer deeper that you wouldn't have had before based on the ad click. And so every year we've gotten a level deeper into what happens after that click. And that could be from different tagging capabilities, different pixel capabilities, or 
um, technology that we've built to enable us to go deeper. So like sales insights and sales attribution, for example. And so what that does is it opens up a, a new way of looking at your media spend to say, okay, let's say you've you tie it all together, right? So you've got your media spend and all of your upfront ad performance. And now you can go all the way through sales attribution. And so you can really understand that full customer journey from ad all the way to the end sale and start to draw conclusions based on those trends that you're seeing. There's never a world where you can see everything fully end-to-end from point A to point B unless you're a direct-to-consumer brand, which is why so many CPGs find that so appealing because they want to know, you know, that that's so such a powerful thing to understand. And I come from a direct-to-consumer world, so I totally get it. But when you do distribute to so many different retailers, it's it's very different. And so um, the way that you measure your performance has to match that. So so that's really what it enables for brands and for, for their agencies or whoever's hands-on keyboard. It enables them to understand the efficacy of their media. And how is that visually presented within Micmac's portal? Like I doubt it's just, hey, there's this product and this is exactly where the consumer went on this journey for one ID of a consumer. And then you go through all of them. How is it presented? I mean, we could spend a day talking about it. And I'm sure my CSMs will listen to this and tell me I said it wrong. So because um, they they teach every day about the Micmac dashboard, but it's an analytics platform. So it you know we what we've done is we've prioritized the data points that we know that most people look at first. So there's like a, a front page, if you if you will, the key metrics that most brands like to at least skim or know every day. So we have people logging in multiple times a day just to read those highlights, and then everything can be drilled down. And so it kind of becomes a hierarchy from there. I came across something called purchase intent on the website, which I think is a metric, if I am not mistaken. But can you tell me about that and where that plays into what we're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. So we use a metric called purchase intent. And how I like to explain purchase intent is that it's best case scenario. And so, you know, like I said before, with attribution, in any format, you really you can see what is attributed, but you can't see everything. So what that means is that me or, or you, we may click on an ad and we may add to our cart. Let's say I wanted to buy those Kit Kats that you were talking about in the beginning. Let's say I add them to my cart when I was in a session on Instagram, but then I ended up purchasing them three days later through my browser on my computer. That may not show up in all attributable sales formats, but we know it was a potential sale and it may have happened. So that purchase intent was that action that I took. That was, I was really close and maybe I did buy it, but I definitely added it to my cart. Best case scenario, 100% of people who add an item to their cart check out. We know that's not the case. And so we take a much more conservative approach. But what it does is it helps brands and agencies identify, again, the efficacy of their audiences. How ready are they to shop? Is the message resonating with them? Are their campaigns working? And before getting to that end sale. So it's really that first level of measurement of how much was actually added. What was the intent to purchase from that campaign and from that action? Got it. I think if purchase intent was like on a specific user level, I'd have maybe the lowest ever because I'm so bad with putting things in carts and then just never. Other than groceries, I'm pretty good if I like make a list of groceries because, you know, you got to eat. But Mm -hmm. about everything else, I'm just so bad. 
And I think I'm the actual opposite. I think I add everything to my cart because I really do intend to buy things and then I might get distracted or I've moved on to another task and then it, it's there and I have, I have to wait to, to finish that purchase. Makes sense. Yeah, I'm very much like an aspirational shopper. So the cart is just filled with things I can't afford, but I just <laughs> leave them in that browser, that mm -hmm. thing on my digital or hundreds of things on my digital wish list that never quite get purchased. Okay. Last thing I want to cover in this section is I think I read something about like transactional data, data collected at the actual point of purchase, which, you know, we just covered going through like what of your media efforts makes the most sense and what's the most effective and measuring that. But let's get to the actual, you're right at the point, of, you're actually past the point of purchase. You are purchasing. And what kind of transactional data does Micmac have? And how do you use that to further understand what your customer wants and where? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's the the number one thing that the brands want to talk about with their customer success team is trying to break that down and understand what it means. So the short answer to your original question was, what can we see? And it depends on, re on the retailer. So I know that's not an answer anyone wants to hear, but it's the truth. Every retailer functions differently. Some retailers have APIs available. Some of them don't. Some of them leverage affiliate programs to track sales. And so it depends on the retailer. Every retailer also has a different attribution window, and that's set on the retailer level. So some retailers may be seven days, some may be three, some may be as much as 30. It really depends. Um, and so the level of visibility depends on the retailer is the, is the first answer to your first question. And then what do brands do with it? So going back to the consumer journey and really understanding the efficacy of the consumer journey, the brands use that as an additional signal to understand the efficacy of their media. Or if we're embedded on their brand website, it's the same thing. They're trying to understand that consumer journey from the brand website all the way through that sale. So many brands have the Micmac software on their website. So it's it's very similar to this concept we've been talking about as well of, of really tracing the consumer journey from that intent to purchase all the way through the actual purchase. And so many brands are using that as directional to understand those trends and make more informed decisions for future campaigns or optimizations. And there's a ton of other applications for that type of information. We could spend a whole day talking about how our, our brand contacts use that in their conversations with retailers or with influencers or on different like media tactics and planning purposes, some brands even leveraging it for packaging decisions. I mean, these are insights that can really say a lot about your commerce strategy. And the more you put into it, the more you'll get out of it. And we have a lot of brands that are getting a lot out of those insights. End of module two. Press play for a recap or next for conclusions. All right, I've got you here too. The recap says, Understanding, as a brand, what products your customers want and where they want to buy them helps evaluate if the resources put toward different channels make sense and allow for looking into new areas of opportunity when it comes to what retailers partner with. A lot happens before the customer makes a purchase, though, and there's still a ton that needs to be measured before the consumer makes that purchase, such as what media at what point in the journey is the most effective. And this allows brands to spend more efficiently on the products they know will sell well in specific places, all of which... Conclusions. Press play to tie it all together. Taking all of these insights so you as a brand really understand the journey and whatnot. How do you go back to the retailer to improve that partnership? Because I'm sure understanding your customers and everything we talked about does lead to 
improved sales, which therefore that's a win-win for everyone. How else can you leverage this knowledge to improve those partnerships? Yeah, I mean, we see a lot of brands bringing this information to their retailer meetings. You know, a lot of these big brands have annual planning meetings with the retailers or quarterly planning meetings. And they use it as a way to say, look at all of this that I'm doing to help you. There's, like I said before, there's a little bit of a power struggle between retailers and brands, and that's always going to exist. It's a healthy power struggle. But they, the brands do need to demonstrate that they're driving consumers to the retailers. And so they use that data to show that. But they also might use it to demonstrate opportunities, right? So if you drill down by geography, for example, you might discover, let's say you're an ice cream brand and you don't have good shelf space at the local supermarket. Um, you might be able to leverage this data to show those areas of opportunity where, let's say, you found a market like Chicago and you discovered that there's they're really popping and selecting that retailer, but you actually don't have good space in the store. So you can kind of use it to leverage for omni-channel approach as well to have those discussions. So, you know, we always talk about what happens in e-commerce is like the first signal that brands can can leverage for trends and for consumer behaviors. And they can use that in those discussions with the retailers to really improve their performance in-store and online, not just on e-commerce. And I'm sure it could also kind of like go the other way where I don't believe that like every product needs to be sold in every geography. It do, it, some products just don't make sense with certain retailers, certain places, et cetera. And so you can kind of take back and learn to use your resources more efficiently through saying like, hey, to X retailer, like this clearly isn't selling. Can we like try a different set of products? Should we just kind of pull out completely a different geography, et cetera? Exactly. It's another layer to just a flat sales report, which, you know, the retailers have that, the brands have that, but this ties it to the consumer and that to that overarching journey, which is really powerful. End of utilizing data to improve retailer relationships. Emma, this is your reminder to ask about the digital wish list. Sheesh, of course I was getting there. I totally never, ever forget to come back to the digital wish list question. Never. You can't even pronounce data right. <coughs> to round us out, we're going to come back to that question from the beginning, the digital wish list. So what is something on your digital wish list that just never quite makes it out? So I'm, I'll be impressed if there is actually something because you said you do usually purchase the things you intend to purchase. But is there anything? I do usually purchase them, but I do sit on the big ones. So for expensive things, they do often sit in my shopping cart for a little while. And I don't know if this is embarrassing or not, but I have curtains sitting in my my wish list right now and I keep coming back to them, but I just have not pulled the trigger and purchased them. So they've been sitting there for almost a month. I just need to do it. They're for a window? Yes. Does it currently have curtains and you're replacing them or like you just, it, you don't have curtains? They currently have old curtains from the previous owners. We bought our house in 2020 and they've just still been there. It's one of those things that just, I constantly hangs over my head. I just need to do it. I just keep hesitating. And that is it for your masterclass on utilizing data to improve retailer relationships. Thank you to Carolan and Micmac for the insights provided in this episode. If you enjoyed the course, please do leave Mastering Retail a rating and review on the platform you listen from. This really helps us out. Also, visit micmac.com to learn more about Micmac. This episode was produced by Klaus Cancel with sound design from Enos Tenji. See you next time.